You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Podcast, part of Fate Teams Podcast Network. I am your humble host, the conductor of the Devin Bunches hype train, worshiper of Nikhil Harry Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have DK Metcalf's number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith Schuster, and proponent for a Jon Snow hair product line, the resident old man Clark Barnes, and the biggest 49ers fan you know somehow managed to wait two weeks to see Game of Thrones without spoiling it. The only man on this green earth who hates Larry Fitzgerald, the ginger woodsman Nick Bodford. Uh, guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good, Pete. Just uh, renewing my hate of Larry Fitzgerald card. We're all yeah. good to go. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, the, the rage is firmly built up in you. Yeah, I'm trying to get a new uh, member to the, the team, but it's just me. Have you found any? Yeah, has there been any success as to <laughs> adding someone to the hatred of Larry Fitzgerald train? No. What tends to be your like uh, your hook to kind of get people interested? Like, what's your number one thing that you say? You're like, man, you guys, you don't understand. Larry Fitzgerald does this, and that's why you should hate him. You know, mostly I, I bring up how uh, how how he would beat up on the Seahawks, mm. um, and they're mm. like, well, we like that. Mm, yeah most people do so, yeah. i feel like exclusivity would be a good angle like get in before it's cool yeah yeah Damn. that's true he might do something terrible that we would all hate him for <laughs> that's such a safe bet with all people that we look up to yeah except for larry fishel because larry fishel is perfect and a wonderful human being and if he wants to uh whenever he retires wants to come onto the podcast we'll welcome him with open arms he might okay. be one. Of, he might be one of the, except for Nick. Nick clearly will close his arms, never touch Larry. Um, he might be. He might be one of the professional athletes who is just like the greatest person. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's a few of those people who, as much as I hate him on the court, LeBron James, like off the court, is just like a phenomenal human being, and like you can't deny that. Like he has just done nothing wrong. He has been. Constant, like under constant media surveillance and, and stip, spic, uh, whatever it's stipulation, not stipulation, speculation, nope. I guess. I can tell yeah. you. Uh, since like high school and has never faltered, never wavered, like married his high school sweetheart, has a beautiful family, does all of this stuff for like the good of humanity. Uh, I feel like there's a few athletes like that. And I think Larry Fitzgerald falls into that category. I mean, you know my opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so take that, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> oh my well, God. My computer just updated Twitter, and I'm now seeing the horror that is this new interface. Yeah. Oh, are you just you just are seeing that? It just it just happened. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm a fan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, what do I, I hate more, Twitter or Larry Fitzgerald? Ooh, good question. Well, only you. We'll let you have the whole podcast to decide. That. <laughs> Come back to us at the end of the podcast with what your feelings are towards uh, the Twitter layout. 
that was good. Have you just not been on Twitter since then? You've just I always been Twitter. on your phone. I, yeah, I, I never sign off of Twitter. Um, uh, I don't know. I've I've been using my uh, my laptop too. I just I don't know what happened. They just decided that you know what now is the time to make sure that you see the uh, the horribleness that is the new Twitter layout. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Speaking of our show, though, should we do it? Should we? <laughs> should we talk football? I feel like that's how uh, a fair number of our excellent transitions into football conversation go. There's like a slight lull, and Nick's like, "All right, I'm bored. Let's uh, talk football." <laughs> yeah. Just an awkward silence, and then we dive in. <laughs> and we dive right in. Um, so with training camp starting pretty soon, uh, real soon, I guess, because August is next week, which is crazy, you guys. Um, quickly, shout out to Hard Knocks, which is going to be starting soon. Very excited for that. Um, with training camp starting, we are going to talk about training camp battles that we are watching, keeping eyes on, interested in, um, and kind of you know what fantasy results could come from them. Uh, and that's basically it. And we'll kind of bounce around the league and bounce around teams. So, Clark, let's start with you. What's a training camp battle that you are going to be keeping eyes on for the month of August? Uh, so this one is near and dear to my heart. And I'm looking at the Texans' backfield, Lamar Miller versus Donta Foreman. And uh, really exciting here. Both of these guys are going later in drafts, so they're great zero RB targets. And uh, they're that seventh, eighth round where you have an opportunity to really make your team extremely strong and the second running back uh, better than the rest of your league uh, flex play. Uh, the Texans offense has a chance to be incredibly potent this year. The Texans uh, ran the seventh most rushing attempts last year in 2018 per teamrankings.com at 28.7. Per game, they were 25th in passing. Um, but I think fantasy fans will know this, and Texans fans know this, that uh, no player in the NFL has more open field tackles uh, of Lamar Miller other than Lamar Miller. Uh, <laughs> the best way to get him down is to put no one around him, and he will fall. Uh, so that's been frustrating fans for years because he is fast and he is – he has all the tools to be a dynamic running back, but he is you know, truly just a guy. And so my hope is that what we saw at Adonta Foreman in the 2017 season is where he will come back to off of his Achilles injury this year. I went back and watched a little tape, the 2017 Texans against the Titans where the Texans just absolutely murdered the Titans, like 54 to 17, uh, you got to see Dante Foreman take a couple of series and he got the third series of the game and you can tell that he's not quite as quick uh, and he's not quite as fast, but he pushes the pile. He's patient and he looks like he's just better at playing the running back position. So if we start hearing things out of camp about there being a potentially split backfield instead of Lamar Miller being the incumbent yet again this year, I'm going to be tuned into that pretty heavily. Yeah, I also feel like with uh, Devonta Foreman, right? It's Danta Foreman, Dante. but this one's tough because some people say Deontay. It's D apostrophe Anta. Oh, okay, so Dante. maybe maybe he can uh, call into the pod next week and let us know. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain that it's Danta. Okay, well, because it's it, it's spelled the same way as Danta Hightower, I believe, and that's Danta. That's good enough for me. All right, so Danta Foreman. Uh, I feel like it's also the Texans need to see who they what they have in him, right? Because he's been on the team. I mean, his his rookie contract must be ending relatively soon. I believe he's going into his third year. 
Uh, and he was not a first rounder. So yeah, he maybe has one year left after this. Yeah. So, so I feel like the Texans want to see who they, you know, what they've got in that, at that position and, and in him. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little more kind of a little more rope to work with this season. And I just think that Lamar Miller has shown plenty to be a average player and, with that offense and the and the tools that they have, I don't think that you can have an average run game, especially with an offensive line that is uh, adequate at best. We're hoping it will be better this year. <laughs> that is my stance on how I describe the Texans. So um, I, I hate to always do this, but there's never been a, a running back in NFL history who has successfully come back from a torn Achilles. And Not yet. By, what I mean by successfully is as a normal person would uh, assess, uh, as what a normal person would assess to be successful. So, yeah, you could say, like, technically Giovanni Bernard is still on the Bengals roster, but he's not really a successful player at this point. Um, they're just It just hasn't happened because that injury is so insanely brutal. I think that and the patellar tendon are, like, the two worst ligament injuries you can have at this point um so i i think Dante foreman is a great player but i'm not at all optimistic that he would that'll make a return that being said all he has to do is beat out lamar miller so maybe the guy ends up getting 15 slow moving touches a game and then that would be uh worthwhile he's coming off the board as the uh, 47th or 48th running back so you know, if he if he's getting uh, lead back work, then that'd be worth something. But I, I don't, sadly, Clark, I don't think that um, it's likely that he really becomes a, a a like stud bell cow. Yeah, and that that's an incredibly good point because it is a vicious injury. Uh, it's not like a wrist injury, which we've seen some people come back from and, and be just fine with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but I think the cost here is why this is interesting because, like you said, 42nd running back, uh, fantasy football calculator and PPR, he's going off in the ninth round. And, uh, like, one way that I will just quickly stop listening to a podcast is when people say, oh, that's a horrible ninth round pick, as if we have some idea what's going to happen after, like, the first three rounds. Uh, so I think he's a guy that you take a shot on, even if, you know, Lamar Miller is a great zero RB target too because while he is just – the definition of pedestrian, you just want someone to fall into the end zone for you eight times in that flex spot. So you're totally right on the injury. And that's what I think is going to be really interesting to watch uh, in the preseason and in camps is to, to see if he looks like he's back to what he used to be, which was already, you know, not a guy with a lot of quickness or speed to, to burn, unfortunately. Plus if the camp doesn't look great, maybe the Texans, start calling the charges about Melvin Gordon. I am petrified that we're going to trade for LaShawn McCoy. Oh, no! Is there a reason you think that you're concerned about it? That's horrifying. Because I would hate it. And I feel like that means it's going to happen. <laughs> the Texans okay. are known to just, just fuck with Clark whenever they have the opportunity to. Yeah, don't go out there and spend a fourth-round pick on Duke Johnson. Let's get LaShawn McCoy and give him some of that Jadavian Clowney money that we're holding with tight fists for whatever reason. Hey, you uh, know, Clark, I, I did want to follow up what you were just saying. This uh, just happened to come across my uh, my feed the other day. Um, was it the Scott, Lamar Miller stat that I just made up? I'm pretty proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, a lot of people are talking about that one. But 
Um, the other one with what you were saying about uh, form and speed, uh, Scott Barrett posted. <laughs> I'll just read it because it's really good. First thought that went through my head when I learned hippos can run at speeds of up to 90 miles per hour. Dante Foreman's 2017 Pro Day. Uh, he weighed 234 pounds and ran a uh, weight-adjusted 97th percentile uh, 40. Which and he, he said no combine running back has ever weighed as much and ran faster. There so you go. For Dante. Yeah, he's he's definitely in the Legarrette Blunt, uh, Derrick Henry mold. I don't Just think he's quite as big. No, he's not nearly but, as big. Those guys are like 250. But, you know, kind of in that. Yeah. Maybe their little brother. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, similarly, in your vein, Clark, of, of starting off with a team that you are emotionally invested in, I'll start off with a team that I'm emotionally invested in. Uh, I'm interested in watching the Patriots wide receiver battle play out because Julian Edelman's injured. So he's not going to be there for probably most of training camp. I think he busted his thumb somewhat. Um and so now that leaves, who is basically going to be the number two receiver next to him, especially since you no longer have a Gronk to be there. So it's going to be bouncing between Philip Dorsett, Dontrell Inman, who I totally forgot that the Patriots signed. Uh, and of course, my boy, Nikhil Harry, whom reports have said that the Patriots are willing and are looking to kind of toss him in the deep end and throw him through the fire and test him like that. And he is the player who they want to uh, ascend to that wide receiver two role in the past though, the Patriots offense has been really hard for rookies to rookie receivers to kind of get accustomed to and to gain Brady's trust because so much of it is based on, you know, defensive reading and being on the same pages. And it's a lot of kind of uh, your own interpretation of routes. We saw it with Malcolm Mitchell, RIP his career, given his knees, which was so sad because he was a beast in the Falcon Super Bowl. But Maybe we can. Maybe there's some similar uh, magic happens with the Keel Harry because I think he can do a lot of damage. Also, um, sorry to get quasi quote unquote political here. Maybe the NFL can grow a pair and stop worrying about weed, and Josh Gordon could get reinstated into the league, and we can get him back and playing. Uh, since you know, God forbid, we smoke weed in this league, but beating your your girlfriend and having a that taped is a okay. Uh, good look there, Goodell. But that's a battle where I am just – I'm curious to see who emerges in that because it's a wide-open field as to whom Brady's targets are going to be, particularly in the preseason, particularly maybe early part of the year where Edelman's getting healthy. I mean, obviously, James White's always going to be involved, but you no longer have Gronk. So who's going to be that number two guy in New England? So I, I um, was just looking over Brady's pass attempts over the last two years. I did not realize they were this high. He led the league in 2017 and was ninth last year. I was kind of thinking that that volume might be an issue for Harry, but if they're really tossing him out there, holy cow. Yeah, I love how every year people are like, oh, you know, the Patriots are trying to build up their run game to keep Brady's arm as fresh as possible because he's getting old. And then Brady like routinely finishes in the top 10, top five and pass attempts and yards and all that jazz it's like no the Patriots offense is and will always be constructed around the short passing game uh and getting it out to running backs and receivers and letting them in space and letting them operate if Nikhil Harry can get into this offense at an early stage and really become a custom and part of it like I think he's huge obviously I worship him I love him I I am going to be drafting him everywhere uh but my hope is just that he doesn't hit this rookie wall 
or this kind of rookie impediment that a lot of receivers, almost every single one that has gone through New England, uh, comes to. Yeah, there are a lot of things up in the air in New England. That's why they signed, you know, 19 wide receivers in the offseason. Um, and they just but, signed Lance Kendricks. Just yeah. whomever you got, the tight end, let's throw him there and see what happens. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Harry went a lot earlier than the, you know, failed wide receivers in New England's past. So he has an opportunity to do that. And I think there's, you know, it's one of those offenses where there's so much to go around that I think a lot of free agent budgets will be uh, spent and lost on the Patriots receiver core this year. Yeah, especially if Philip Dorsett flashes anything. And, like, I just want to – there are a lot of sad things in the world, so this barely registers as a sad thing. But Julian Edelman goes to, like, a children's event, yeah. and it comes out that he's hurt his thumb. Like, God, guys, can we just take a minute and let these folks, like – Well, Clark, can I propose to you an 18-game season where you only need to play your starter 16 of them? I was giving that some thought today and, and outside of the only starting people for 16 games, like, okay, I'll take more. I'll take more games. It's actually so, like, okay, fine. I don't know these guys. Like, I don't want them to get hurt, but let's play some football. I, uh, yeah, as a fan, I'm super into that, but, uh, I was at, I went to, um, the Mina Kimes, uh, she, blah, blah. Mina Kimes came to Seattle. I went to her live show, uh, this week. And, and you didn't get her onto the podcast, Nick? I, you know, she actually did. I not explain your future no, to you, Nicholas. You are what's going like, to make us really, big. She said, she's like, I really want to be on the podcast. I was like, I don't think that there's room, <laughs> but sorry, but, we're just too popular. Yeah. And people are demanding for just us in this content that we can't bring on possibly one of the most successful sports voices right now. Yeah. Um, but so they, she had, uh, she had a few, uh, awesome guests. She had Danny Kelly there, which I fanboyed super hard over. And she also had KJ Wright and, and they went into the 18 game season thing. And like, I, I, I wish that other people could be in a room with an NFL player and, and just feel when someone asked him, Hey, do you want us to make you play yeah. 18 games? Just like he was the the passion with which he was like, no, <laughs> it, was just, it was so powerful. It was so strong. Just do 18 weeks, but uh, two bye weeks. I am all for like, let's just extend the length of the season. I think we've shown we will watch the, well, I guess this doesn't work anymore, but like in the back in the day, I'd watch the Browns and the Dolphins on Thursday night. Like, just give me a game. I'll watch. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think I think the preseason is. I agree, the preseason is kind of useless um, because it seems like teams have now start, are, adopted this method of we're going to use the first, you know, two three weeks of the season to kind of get things together. Because uh, no team that starts off like three and zero rarely actually is that good. I, I feel like we've squeezed all the revenue we can out of this needless replay so that we can get our Budweiser and Tundra commercials in. Yeah, so we need more games. More games. Word. Uh, Nicholas, what's a battle that you're keeping eyes on? Well, I, I really, I have a few. It's kind of a tough, uh, tough call, but to, to get things fired up here, um, the Steelers wide receiver core. It's super interesting. We have Dante Moncrief, who is like making headlines, as well as other guys like James Washington. Uh, and Vance McDonald coming out, but I know Vance isn't, you know, he's not a receiver, but he is part of the receiving core. And, and I think that there's a very real uh, battle for who the number two pass catcher is going to be. And I know that uh, the, the podcast is, is split 
on what Juju Smith-Schuster's season might look like, but I do think we probably all agree that he's at least going to, they're going to try to have him be the number one receiver. And, but, but regardless, if he does well, then he's going to take a bunch of attention and the, the number two pass catcher is going to eat. If he doesn't do well, then the number two pass catcher is going to eat. So whatever happens in training camp here, I'm really excited to see who takes over the number two role. Yeah, especially since the Steelers have a pretty good, have shown a pretty good propensity for whoever plays into that number two spot puts up a ton of production, um, right? We saw it with Juju Smith-Schuster, and when he's gone down, we saw hints of it with James Washington, and now you have someone uh, like Dante Moncrief, who we all forget had a monster season in Indianapolis before he got injured, where he was catching a touchdown, basically every other catch from Andrew Luck. Yeah, Moncrief's had a rough ride with bad quarterbacks. He played for the Jaguars, and I feel like, you know, Piling onto the Jaguars is always fun. Um, <laughs> I think he's definitely the second most talented wide receiver in Pittsburgh. And even though uh, people are now talking about Juju Smith being the number one wide receiver, which is like in a world of insanity, completely insane. Uh, but I think Dante Moncrief is is fine. And like you said, we know the Steelers are going to pass. And if they just have yeah. someone who's competent, I mean, that's your wide receiver to flex play all year he's going in the the end of the 11th round so again this is in the part of your draft where it doesn't matter anymore like we're just completely guessing so you might as well guess on someone who could be the wide receiver too in an extremely prolific offense right and i think if you're i mean i'm interested to see how the battle ultimately plays out but if i am making that pick right now without seeing any kind of waiver i would still lean towards james washington just because i feel like the younger guy likely going to see more but that's just that's just my feeling so i'm i'm i think i'm in on on moncrief he's he's looked awesome in camp the coaches really like him and he's going uh he's going as the wide receiver for 54 or 55 washington is is 48 if it's a true split eh. you know, take that take that the, that last guy yeah unless you're like totally you know into into james washington to do your thing but i I kind of think I'm more into to Moncrief, but anyway, I, I, yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun camp battle to watch. Yeah. You know no. me, I'll, I'll always err on the side of going with the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whomever Clark can relate to on an emotional level. Right. Yeah. I mean, guys, guys that are only like seven or eight years younger than me, I try to target them. Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to, if you make a pop culture reference, you want to make sure your fantasy team can relate and gets the joke. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no fun to make a reference and everyone just Blair Stankly, stare blankly at you, Blair yeah. Stankly. <laughs> you, you seem to have a really good fix on uh, my relationship with uh, the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but the Steelers, back to the Steelers wide receivers. Uh, it's, it's one of those that you know there's fantasy production to be had there. And so whomever comes out, right, Clark, you mentioned this, whoever comes out is that number two guy is going to get you fantasy production. And so it's it's in, in a battle you need to keep eyes on. Yeah, Nick, I, you made the comment quickly, and the Vance McDonald hype may get ridiculous because uh, it seems like it's building already, but he is a great, if you've passed on a top-tier tight end, he is a great guy to take a shot on. Yeah. Try to get number seven, number eight, or so, get some kind of consistency, again, in an offense that it's going to score. I, he's currently the the, the uh, tight end number ten off the board, and I, that's good. I'll take that all day. Because didn't Jesse James leave in free agency? 
He did. He yeah. plays for the Lions now. So it was nice knowing you. Yeah. Jesse. Way to go into fantasy obscurity there, Jesse. Um, but so, yeah. So now it's entirely Vance McDonald's uh, tight end group. But yeah, just I, I love this pick because, again, we will learn something out of the preseason right. camp. Like sometimes it's all smoke and mirrors, but I, I think we'll we'll pick up a little bit of something here. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Uh, Clark, what's another group you're keeping eyes on? So I love the middle middle to late round running backs. And uh, so my second one is the Buccaneers backfield. This has been talked about a lot in the fantasy community. Uh, we have Peyton Barber, who's going off in the middle of the 11th round versus Ronald Jones, who's going off in the middle of the eighth round. Uh, the, the knock on Peyton Barber is he played a lot last year and didn't look that great. And that's true. Uh, but he played... Uh, so much better than what they expected out of Ronald Jones that Ronald Jones didn't play at all last year behind him. Uh, so uh, Ronald Jones is the new thing. People, I think, are hoping that, you know, he'll – I heard some comparisons to Jamal Charles when he was getting drafted. I feel like we've put that to bed here, at least going <laughs> into a second year. Uh, both of these guys are so cheap. And, again, this is just a, an eighth, ninth, tenth round pick where one of, one of these guys is going to be the starter. And I think we – one of the things that I've been preaching and, you know, you guys get to continue hearing this is you know, we look at the end of the year numbers and it's just, we, we've just, we go through amnesia every year. It, it's not, it's not an end of the year game, you know, maybe best ball, but fantasy football is a week to week endeavor. And so do you want to play, you know, Tariq Cohen and, and hope that this is the week where he's going to get you those four catches and 85 yards and a touchdown and not be the week where he gets, you know, two catches for 17 or do you want to bet the guy who's probably going to get 18 touches might get you 50 yards with those, but could get you like 120 and a touchdown. I think you bet on the starters. And if, if we can figure out this bucks backfield, you're going to get a super cheap starter out of it. Um, yeah. We, we, we talked about uh, Ronald Jones a little while back. And uh, what I had to say then was just that, that dude, Nelson Souza or whatever, the like champion of daily fantasy, uh, on earth has those weird like nightclub connections and rookie year Ronald Jones apparently was just not taking things seriously he was in this dude's club all day long all, all night long and uh, by all accounts he uh, has been either he's no longer engaging in that kind of behavior or he has been made to not uh, engage in that kind of behavior either way I think the kids hitting the offseason workouts hard um, and I, I think his upside is just insanely higher than Peyton Barber. Either way, uh, if, if you're if you're going after the zero RB strategy, whoever seems like uh, is going to be the the number one back, that's they're they're going to put up points. I do want to mention I, I I didn't realize this until I just looked this up, but it looks like Bruce Arians went and, and signed Andre Ellington from oh, his uh, Arizona perfect. days, and like it, last pick in the draft. Why not? You, <laughs> I don't know, but well, maybe if you want to. Yeah, I think it's another great one to to keep eyes on just because, I mean, all the points you've touched on, but also because I think that that ground game has so much that's le- like we haven't seen it's that much from it. It's exactly, exactly. It's got a lot of room to grow. And so I feel like if they do stumble upon a back who they trust, Ronald Jones, maybe it's that, maybe it's him, maybe Peyton Barber with a full year of confidence or whatever, you know, Bruce Arians comes in and tells him he's the guy, whomever it is, if they can actually establish a ground game, like we haven't seen 
what a ground attack in Tampa Bay can really look like. And it could be something where suddenly, you know, Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones goes from, you were saying like in the 10th, you know, double digit rounds to suddenly being a top 15 back, maybe who knows. Um, And so I'm very curious to see what a running game in that offense can do because that, passing game we know already what it can do and it has so many weapons that if the if the running game could even muster something there's so much space and so much uh you know so much they can do yeah and i know uh i I just like to bring this up with players when i hear these good stories uh peyton barber i think came out of school early and a lot of people told him that he shouldn't and his reply to them was uh my family is homeless so being able to play in the nfl means that we will you know, have somewhere to live. Uh, so whether he, you know, is the last guy in the league or not, those are just the kind of guys, like, I think that that's right. freaking awesome. We talk about uh, NFL players who give the league a bad name a lot, and uh, Peyton Barber seems like a seems like a good dude. I'm drafting Peyton Barber in every league I play in. There you go, fifth round. Fifth round, yep. He's now my RB1. RB1 in every league I'm in, yes. Uh, good job. And also, Clark, good on you to bring the good people of the NFL to the limelight. Because we know me. I love talking about the negatives. Well, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. I, you know, no, nothing against you. <laughs> um, before we continue with our training camp battles, uh, let's take a quick moment for some advertisements. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now that we are back, we're going to touch on another group of wide receivers who I am looking at because, again, similar to the Steelers, more like the Steelers than the Patriots, it's an offense that will put up a lot of points. And that's, uh, for our boy Jordan, the Packers wide receivers. We know Devontae Adams is going to be the guy there. Um, so that's a foregone conclusion. But who's that number two? There's a whole bunch of names that you know you can pass around. It could be Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinomia St. Brown, Geronimo Allison, blah, 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 blah. There's a whole bunch of guys. Those three seem to be the names who are most likely uh, going, to, going to win the job. Personally, I think it's MVS hands down. Uh, I've already, I guess I've, I've seen reports where it seems like he and Rogers are on the same page more that Rogers has a lot more confidence in him, uh, that things just generally seem to be going well, uh, for him in that offense and Matt LaFleur's offense. I, and I, I would love for him to, he's already looked pretty good last year in his rookie season. Um, but anyways, but so this is, this is another group of wide receivers where, you know, whomever is that number two receiver, is going to put up a lot of fantasy production because there's nothing Aaron Rodgers loves more than tossing the pigskin around. 
Um, and so whoever can step into that number two role is going to give you a lot of value and a lot of production. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm putting my chips down on Geronimo Allison again, super late. You know, trust me, I do draft people at the beginning of my draft. <laughs> Clark just I, skips every round until around seven. Uh, then Clark starts drafting his team. Yeah, I think uh, at least in the past, Aaron Rodgers has uh, decided who he's going to like, and that is who is going to get the the ball. And I think last year when Allison was healthy, uh, he was clearly one of Rodgers' favorites. I, you know, we hear going into camp that he's going to be running out of the slot a lot. He's a big athletic dude who I think is one of those guys who would be a great slot player, but is never going to really be a fantastic outside threat, kind of in your Will Fuller vein. Uh, and then also a, a super late shot, because like you said, you know, anybody who gets a few touches in this offense is going to be great, is the uh, the great white giant, Jake Kumaro. Uh, who's who was I think my second to last pick in the Scott Fishbowl, and uh, you know any any big old white wide receiver in in Green Bay, <laughs> in Packers you know, got to keep an eye on him. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I, I will do the uh, tip of the cap to to Kumaro. Uh, he's definitely like he's been sort of a preseason DFS darling, um, but Rogers has also spoken very highly of him. But uh, overall, Clark, I want to back you up on this one um, with the news breaking yesterday that Geronimo, Al- Geronimo Allison is projected to be the starting slot wide receiver uh, slot receiver for the uh, Packers. And that's what he, he said. He's preparing to, to like man the slot all season long. Um, it's worth noting some more uh, Scott Barrett facts. He, he was uh, posting about this yesterday, but Rodgers has targeted the slot uh, the fourth highest of any active quarterback right now. So whoever, and, and yeah, 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 he was playing with Randall Cobb, but he also played with Randall Cobb, you know, recently. And, and that didn't really yield a whole lot. To it. Point is Rogers likes throwing the slot. Whoever goes there is, is probably going to be the number two receiver. And with Allison currently being projected by, by the team to be the slot, the, the starting receiver in the slot. That's absolutely the guy that I want to go after. And you can save all your early picks for quarterbacks, which is great, the, great, the best strategy. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I missed most of what you're saying, Nick. Becca just arrived uh, over to a, where we're staying and is really bored and so was trying to distract me with her best mining impressions. Nice. I'm trying so hard not to have my dog bark during the podcast. <laughs> He's really giving me a hard time. <laughs> Oh, well, you've been using the mute then very well because I haven't I've heard anything. Heard yeah. yeah. Oh, well then. Oh, Nick, while we're on the topic, uh, when are we both bringing our dogs onto the pod? I think Ooh, that's good point. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. We could we could set that up. I got uh... – Like week five once we're all tired Nick is, of football. Nick is overwhelmed with the prospect so, of his dog, on the, with the fame that his dog would receive. Okay, so Georgie, the eighty-pound Dutch Shepherd, he's now he's nine months old, and like I've said, he barks at like any dog he sees, like like it's fearsome. And ultimately, he just wants to play, but sometimes it doesn't go very well, and you you know you got you got to pull him back. But like I can just only imagine holding him up or holding my computer screen up to him. He sees another dog; he's, he's gonna destroy the computer. It'll be like part of the interruption. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll have to get that on film. Nick, you'd have to you'd have to have the screen so that you can watch and then film him outside so you see him just slamming his head into the screen over. Oh, yeah. Plus, one of my favorite things about my dog is that he's not very smart. One of his <laughs> eyes is a little bit offset, but he's like he's like the yeah. sweetest dog in the world. Uh, but when there is a dog on TV, oh. he like looks 
he, he doesn't understand where the speakers are. And he gets really <laughs> tuned up that there's a dog in the house. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so wonderful. When we finally get, when we're finally settled, we're probably going to get our first doggo then too. Dog to the new kids, man. Dog to the new kids. That's you hear to hear first. Uh, yeah. My mom will tell you not to do both at the same time. Don't get a puppy when you have a dog, especially don't get an Australian Shepherd when you have a have a baby because they are a lot of work. And as our babies, it's a little little parenting advice from the uh, RB One podcast. You're welcome, everyone. The off season, folks. We're trying. <laughs> <laughs> our forward. Nicholas, what's a uh, another training camp battle you're keeping eyes on? Okay. Um, I think next we're going to move to Los Angeles. Um, with the news that Melvin Gordon might very seriously be sitting out, we've got to figure out who his immediate backup is. Um, last year, Eckler was the, the prime mover behind Melvin Gordon um, when, when Melvin Gordon was healthy. But then we, uh, Melvin Gordon, he got hurt for a little bit. Then Eckler was the starter, but then he got hurt, and Justin Jackson played really well. Um, Justin Jackson also made an awesome appearance on a uh, podcast called Primo Nutmeg Podcast, political, and it's amazing. And now I want to draft him because he agrees with all of my political views. But I think this dude could actually be the bell cow in in this backfield if if Austin Eckler, uh, or excuse me, if Melvin Gordon is out. I think that they like how big he is. He yeah, he's he's built like a bell cow. And he still has to work on on uh, you know the, the passing game aspect, but he's a, he's a more talented runner than Eckler is, and I think he can I think he can hold up on a full workload uh, more so than than Eckler can. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. If Gordon does sit, which you know we we hope not. Obviously, there's so few running backs. Melvin Gordon's not the second coming of Barry Sanders or anything, but I would like him to to start. Uh, Jackson's the bigger back, and I don't think Eckler would be able to hold up under the workload, even though Eckler is smaller, but he's kind of smaller in that, you know, Philip Lindsay vein of he runs every play with his hair on fire. So if he could hold up, he would be amazing. He's just, he's just not the biggest dude. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think it's something where it's another one where most people I would say assume that Eckler is going to be the number two guy. And if Gordon does sit out or is traded or whatever, that he's going to be the incumbent starter. And so I could see people overdrafting Eckler with that express purpose. But it could be, you know, super sneaky to pay attention, tune in and be like, mm, no, 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 no. Eckler's not the guy you want to be buying right now. And, and another thing to keep an eye on with the Chargers, I just I saw this tweet today, and it's been kind of a, you know, I mean, for as long as we all are, like, you know, I live in America, middle class, it's pretty good life. But uh, I saw that Antonio Gates is in talks potentially privately with the Chargers to come back, and my little Hunter Henry action figure just is just got awful. really deflated. Oh no. Can Antonio – I feel like Antonio Gates is to the Chargers what Tim Duncan is to the Spurs. It's like Tim Duncan retired and then immediately became part of their coaching staff. I feel like Antonio Gates is just like – has nothing outside of football and so is keep constantly – he gets old and he's like, well, I'm going to retire. But then he realizes that he really wants to play football, so he comes back and then retires, and then comes back and retires, comes back until he's just going to like merge into the team and become their new head coach or something like that. You know, and uh... – uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall, like the opening montage of Jason Siegel 
like not getting out of his bathrobe and eating a very large bowl of cereal. I just, I, this is what I picture Antonio Gates doing. <laughs> and then, and then September <laughs> comes around and he calls up the trial. Yeah. And he's like, um, so you guys like need some tight end help. What if I just, and they're like, yes, Antonio, please. Do we, should we do some, you guys have some more? Do we want to do some quick rapid fire training camp battles? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Nicholas, why don't you start us off then? Since you cool. seem extra excited. Rapid yeah, fire. I'm fired up. All right, so this is just a, a short little anecdote. I was listening to uh, Evan Silva's podcast last week, Establish the Run, and he was telling a story of uh, him was in a bar at like 3 a.m. Uh, during the NFL draft. He was there at the draft, and Sean Payton showed up, and he was hammered. And, <laughs> sure. and Silva and him start talking, and Silva starts pressing him, and he's like, hey, why don't you just give Alvin Kamara a full workload this year? Your offense was at its peak when you were doing that. And he said, John Baton drunkenly looked him in the eye and said, Alvin's soft. Damn. Uh, yeah. And I know that this is, it's just a little, little like anecdote, but I think, look, Latavius Murray has led the league over the last five years in goal line carries. And he's been on multiple teams. This is clearly something he's good at. Multiple coaching staffs have noticed how good he is and have been willing to put him in. I kind of think we might be looking at a, a 2017 Saints backfield situation where it's – and I, I think that Kamara will be the lead, but I'm wondering if we're looking at much more of like an 18-13 to 13 touch split rather than like a 20-22 to 22 versus maybe 8-10 to 10 touch split. Yeah, I hope so. Latavius Murray is on my list of other late round running backs that I'm looking for because I think we kind of forgot about him. I think Mark Ingram is a better running back than Latavius Murray, but that doesn't mean that Latavius Murray can't get, you know, I know this is a big number, but on the line of like 10 or 11 touchdowns in the Saints backfield, I think as a Kamara owner and truther, I think he's fantastic. I think 20 touches for him is the absolute maximum that you would want from him. I think actually like 13 to 15 touches is more of what you would really like to get out of Alvin Kamara all year. And if they want to let Murray, you know, bash it up the middle to keep people honest and to take a little something off of uh, Kamara, I think that they should. And I, I think you're spot on that they will, you know, Murray is not just going to get a couple of series uh, each game. They're going to, this is going to be the same thing we've seen for the past three years out of the Saints. Because it's worked. So, they, yeah, they just brought it back, and they brought it back with a back who has shown that he can do that secondary role really well. Clark, do you have a rapid-fire training camp battle? Uh, no. <laughs> Nicholas, give us uh, another one. Well, okay, uh, let's see if we can get you fired <laughs> up here, Clark. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens with the Texans wide receiver core. So DeAndre year, Hopkins sucks. Exactly. He's really bad. He's going to get replaced. And actually, Juju Smith-Schuster is somehow going to be better than him. But anyway. Mm, um, yep. Look, we know Will Fuller is going to be very far down the field. We know that Hopkins is going to be all over the field. The issue here, that the thing that we need to look at is what is Kiki Kuti's role going to be? Last year, when Fuller was out in his first game where he was out and Kuti was playing, Kuti got 15 targets. That's insane. And the way that we saw him being used was that he was getting manufactured touches near the line of scrimmage and, and in, in the middle of the field, but also also on the outside, just around the line of scrimmage. Anyway, I think that Kiki Uti is going to effectively function as the Texans' slot receiver, 
but also will more or less absorb the passes that would otherwise go to a team that had a pass catching running back. Mm, I think he, I think he's going to, he's going to be, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Pete, but I, I think he's basically going to be playing that role for the Texans this year. I think so. He had a little trouble getting started last year with injury, but like you mentioned, when he was in there, that was clearly his role. His role. He's an incredibly quick and very fast wide receiver who, like you said, did well out of the slot last year. Uh, L- Lamar Miller can catch the ball, uh, but the Texans do not make that a big part of their offense. And so I think that's what they're looking for. And the the only thing with QT is, yes, he's going very late, but it's it comes back to that problem of uh, when would you start someone like that? So I think in a deeper league as your third wide receiver, sure. Uh, but it, the worry is up and down production. Uh, but since we all know the Texans will uh, be throwing for 5,500 yards and 63 touchdowns on their march to the Super Bowl this year, I right. think they will have four, five, six probably viable fantasy players on that team. I, I agree. Something I forgot to mention, um, uh, another Silva stat for you. He did a study on um, on how quarterbacks play when their team is winning or losing. And Deshaun Watson was actually a lot different than almost – than he, he was he, – he plays better when his team is losing. And that's not – or he puts up uh, bigger stats. So, like, his passing stat, his passing yardage goes up uh, by, like, a, a full yard per attempt. And his carries, I think, goes up to, all, like, in the six yards per carry. He puts up m- bigger numbers when his team is losing, which is weirdly – Which uh, is a lot. Different from the league. Yeah. yeah. But you guys have a very difficult schedule this year, so I think there's a good shot that he's going to be thrown a lot. Anyway. I know yeah, and, and uh, I think it's Matt Williams of FS Statistics has said that he has Deshaun Watson as his number one quarterback, and and I want that to be true, even though I, I don't <laughs> think that it will be. Uh, one, one thing going for him, though, is that the Texans have a really good front seven on defense and an incredibly leaky uh, defensive backfield. And, and we saw that last year. The Texans had a really strong close to the season. Another way to write that is uh, the Texans played a lot of really garbage teams to close out the season last year. And then when they played a functioning passing offense in the playoffs and the Colts, they just got crushed. Uh, so I love Watson. Please please keep showering praise onto Deshaun Watson, who also seems like a, a fine, fine individual. Another he guy we did really one time, so happily have on the podcast i'm in nicholas do you have any more rapid fire picks since this has now become nick presents rapid fire picks no what do you think about the the seattle backfield i know you've disavowed them as a fan but do you have any carson or penny takes i mean i'm kind of actually leaning towards the more expensive person here in carson um yeah sorry i was on mute there um uh i think chris carson is going to have a a big year um, maybe not so much in, in like full point PPR leagues, but I think he's the guy who's going to be getting like 20 touches. I mean, we, we try to run the ball like 30 some times per game or, or the Seahawks do uh, Niners all the way. We, uh, <laughs> they're the Seahawks. They, they really try to run the ball like over 30 times a game or, well, they, they claim to want balance, but then they end up running more than they pass. But anyway, um, yeah, I think Chris Carson is going to be getting, uh, about 20 touches a game. And I think Rashad Penny is going to get roughly 10. Um, Mike Davis leaving the, the, the team is way bigger than I realized. And again, thank you, Evan Silva. He had 146 touches last season. 
Wow. That's a lot of vacated work. I did yeah. not realize he was getting the ball that much. That's a lot. He he was uh, Davis was the main impediment, I think, of Penny getting more work in his rookie year. When Carson went down, uh, you know, Davis was the next man up. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if you guys don't have anything else, uh, one more, one more for you. Uh, or Pete, did you want to add to the the Seahawks? Nope, you go. Okay. Um, the Miami Dolphins backfield, I think, is really interesting. Uh, again, as 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 I say time and time again. Uh, if you're getting the work, you're going to put up numbers. If they just get a bunch of touches, they're going to put them. It might not be pretty, but they'll put up numbers. Kalen Balaj is currently going as a running back 59. Um, Kenyon Drake is currently going as the running back uh, uh, about 24, 25. If one of these guys separates, I, I, I definitely think if, if Kenyon Drake separates, I think he can absolutely be that, like, back end RB two. Um, but Balaj, he's the flashier guy. Um, I think that the, we, we could get a, a, a running back two out of, out of Kalon Balaj. And like I said, with him going as what is it? The, the running back 59 or something. Um, this, yeah, 59, this could be a, uh, a really nice pick. Yeah. I, uh, on principle am not drafting anyone from Miami on my fantasy team this year. Well, that's good to know if that's if <laughs> that, that people actually feel like that's awesome. Uh, I, I will draft almost everyone, uh, maybe depending on where they fall. But the Dolphins are a team that do scare the bejesus out of me. I don't think it's going to be I, I vacillate between it's going to be a complete disaster. And, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for fantasy purposes, has shown he is absolutely viable True. i think that josh rosen got the raw deal of raw deals but he still may not be ready to lead a team uh, the the dolphins have some talent on their team it's just oh boy i i feel like someone else is just gonna like those guys better than me and all I'm, of things and I'm you so... happily let them take them <laughs> basically I'm... we just need a draft with nick where nick will draft the dolphins all in like the fifth to seventh round clark won't have even made a pick by then and I'll have taken Nikhil Harry five times. It's perfect. Perfect league we'll play in. The 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 coming Ryan Fitzpatrick four hundred yard four interception games are going to be so good. It is true though, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe this is what we should talk about on a podcast one time. Is just bad football players who are just amazing <laughs> fantasy football players. Not Ryan Fitzpatrick's not bad, but like average, like guys who have just fantasy fame but don't have actual football fame. I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick highlights that list. I think uh, Clark would say Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I like <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster. He just wide receiver five. Come on. Yeah, but Tim Tebow's uh, king of that mountain. Yep. <laughs> Garrett Blunt. But Garrett Blunt is good. But Garrett right? Blunt is good, but he's not like he's a fantasy. He was a fantasy monster. A couple oh man, of I I rode Blunt to a couple of championships. Yeah, I'll just he'll always have that place in my heart. What's he yeah. good at? Scoring two yard touchdowns, eighteen touchdowns in a season. <laughs> okay, but I think this is exactly what we're talking about. He just barrels through. Exactly, he's a fantasy he's god. Good. He's not good. I I love Legarrette Blunt. I became a fan of him once he punched that racist dude who <laughs> shouted a slur at him in college. And he just punched him in the back. I was like, yep, let's go. I like this guy. Uh, he's he's fun to watch, but I don't know. I think that he fits the bill of, like, fantasy stardom, and he's really not very good. 
Exactly. That's why he's the perfect he's the perfect person for this category. Well, that's what's great about America, Nick. You can be wrong and I can be okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think if there's a wide receiver who falls into this. Because the thing is it's mostly all touchdown related. Or I guess receptions, PPR. Jarvis Landry's kind of that, but Jarvis Landry's actually good. Easy. All of my heroes are getting defaced at the end of the pod. Torn down. Well, I'm trying to think of who is a player who just got like a lot of empty stats. I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, um, Allen Robinson. I mean, I hope that that's I not do. doesn't continue. But I'm I am too invested on the Allen Robinson train this year. I've built up the the narrative in my head that what we saw in that one postseason game against the Eagles is what we're going to see all next year, and I'm 100 percent here for it. I want everybody except for the Jaguars and the Titans to be successful. Perfect. You Becca's know, it, busy throwing clean clothes. And I like, this is fun watching you try to hold it together. <laughs> Rapidly devolving. Uh, are, do you expect anything more from us, Nick? That after we've after we've covered the notes that we've written for us to just yeah, randomly spew about whatever is on our minds? You know, I, uh, I got some feedback from a, a, a listener today, oh. uh, a friend of mine, and he... Uh, he asked if he could be a guest on the show. Uh, he said no. Um, but he was like, well, I'll be, I'll be the, uh, the like controversial, fired up guy who goes on rants. And I was like, that's me. What are you talking about? He was like, dude, you guys barely rant at all. There could it's be true. a lot more fire. So if you want, I can shout more. I feel like there's a lot of hot takes in us, but I also feel like we all try to be polite to one another. We try to, so. we try to temper our hot takes. Maybe we'll have an episode during the season where we can just dedicate, we dedicate it to hot takes. So we can just spout the hottest thing we can think of. Okay. Kelvin Benjamin was the wide receiver 20 in 2016. Mm, Kelvin Benjamin is a good one. I've been on the hunt since. since That's a good, that's a good wide receiver. Who's never really had a career, but had fantasy production. Kenny Britt was number 26. Uh, Kenny Britt takes the cake. Mike Wallace was 24. This is a crazy year. What year was this? 2016. Oh. Was that the year Danny Amendola was like the or uh, Danny Woodhead was like the running back six? Um, oh God, I forgot about that year. Right? I, yeah, I feel like we covered it. Losing his an hour. Yeah, we're good. Uh, yeah, let's let's just close this out. I can't find Danny Woodhead. Well, make sure to subscribe. Uh, we are under the Fake Teams podcast channel. You can find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you guys next week. Uh, and a little teaser. I don't know what football we're going to talk about, but I can assure you, Jordan will be on the podcast and we are talking top five Tom Cruise movies. So if you have some uh, percolating in your head that you're like, oh man, I think the guys are going to forget about this, tweet them at us and we'll make sure to uh, voice voice your opinions on the uh, next week's podcast. But until then, peace.